Hi everyone, I'm Gary Lewis and welcome to the GEO Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about granite. Now, many people who know me well will tell you that I get pretty obsessed with volcanoes. And so why am I going to talk today about granite? And there's probably a couple of good reasons. The first reason is it brings back really fond memories of one of my very first geology field trips when I was at university, where we visited a very pretty granite outcrop in a place called Bathurst in New South Wales in Australia. And this granite was beautiful because it had these large crystals of pink feldspar, and I was really, really taken at how beautiful this rock type could be, and maybe I was hooked on granite from that point in time onwards. And another thing about granite, it's the rock type where you can really see distinctive minerals in it. And as your very first rock to look out for and learn about the minerals that make up a rock, granite has got to be one of the best. So there's enough about why I want to talk about granite. So now let's talk a little bit about what granite really is. So granite belongs to the igneous rock family. It is a rock that formed from the cooling of molten material. It has large crystals up to about a centimetre across, and so that makes it a plutonic igneous rock because it has those large crystals. Granites are made up of principally two major minerals, the mineral quartz and the mineral feldspar, with some additional minerals of things like hornblende and mica. And because of this assemblage of minerals, granite is put into the plutonic igneous rocks that are referred to as felsic plutonic igneous rocks, or in the old terms, acidic igneous rocks. So let's just talk about those two major minerals for a minute. So the first major mineral is the mineral of quartz. Quartz is made up of silicon and oxygen joined together in a beautiful framework structure and it really stands out in granite because as it breaks it doesn't form flat surfaces but glassy curved surfaces. We call it conchoidal fracture. So when you look at a piece of granite, especially a piece of polished granite, you find these pieces that look like they are broken glass and they are these quartz grains. In contrast to the quartz, there is the feldspar minerals. Now, feldspar is really a family of minerals made up of lots and lots of different types of feldspars, and they vary because of the chemistry, with one group of feldspars being rich in the element potassium and other of the feldspars rich in sodium and calcium. But granites are well known for feldspars that contain lots of potassium. And the potassium end of the feldspar family is the mineral known as orthoclase. But we also find the mineral sanidine and sometimes microcline within granites, but they are all different types of the mineral feldspar. The distinguishing thing between quartz and feldspar is that the feldspars when broken form nice flat surfaces. So we say they've got a flat or a perfect cleavage in one or more directions. 
So when you look at a piece of granite that's been broken, the quartz forms these glassy curved surfaces and the felspar form little flat surfaces within the broken rock. Now these different felspars have different colours and therefore granites can come in a range of colours, the colouring coming mostly from the felspar minerals. So orthoclase felspar is often a pink through to a red colour all the way through to some of the other felspars that are very, very white. So what you can get is granites that are white and grey through to granites that are pink and red. I also mentioned that there are these secondary minerals that you find in granite. The easiest of these to recognise is the mineral mica. Micas are flat, flaky, book-like structures with lots and lots and lots of thin sheets all held together, but loosely so sometimes you can get in and you can actually pick the flakes of the mineral apart. And in granites, they can be the white micas, muscovite, or the dark micas, like biotite. And the other common mineral is the mineral hornblende, which belongs to a mineral family called amphiboles. It is normally a dark green to almost black coloured mineral, but the thing here to remember is that the micas and the hornblends make up a very, very small percent of the rock, maybe 5%, and the rest of the rock really being made up of the two major minerals, quartz and felspar. In the episode notes on the GeoEtc website, I will put photographs of some of the different types of granites, including one just under a simple handheld microscope, so you can see what I mean about the differences between quartz and felspar, and you will see what I mean about how micas and the hornblends make up a really small percent of the rock. Now, in most granites, the quartz and the felspar grains are roughly the same size. So you get these interlocking crystals of quartz and felspar with the secondary minerals filling in some of the gaps to form a very homogeneous rock. There's no real layering, there's not bands within it. It doesn't really matter where you look at the slab of granite, it sort of looks the same throughout and geologists refer that to having a massive texture. But then in some locations, when the granite is cooled, some crystals have been able to form larger than the others. They've started cooling earlier, and the granite ends up with a texture with some of the minerals, like felspar, being much, much larger than the surrounding smaller minerals that are quartz and felspar pieces as well. Geologists call those larger crystals phenocrysts, and the rock texture is then called a porphyry. And that very, very first granite that I saw in the field with beautiful large felspar crystals in a ground mass of quartz and felspar really was a porphyry. And somewhere in my collection, I have a piece of that that I collected from that very first field trip. And it holds pride of place in my collection of rocks from Australia. So how are granites formed? So we know that granites have formed from the cooling of molten rock. And because of the size of the crystals of quartz and felspar within that make up the granite, we know that those crystals had to have formed fairly, fairly slowly. Therefore, the molten material has cooled slowly to form those large crystals. 
and the only place that that can happen is pretty deep inside the Earth's crust. So granites form from the melting of the Earth's crust and you get this blob of molten rock which then cools slowly enough for those crystals to form and as they form they all interlock into each other to form the rock type granite. Granites that have large crystals have formed more slowly than granites that have finer crystals. Then just to make it a little more complex, we also recognise that some granites formed when the surrounding rocks melted and those rocks were mostly sedimentary rocks. And we call those S-type granites. And there are other granites that have formed from the partial melting of already existing igneous rocks, and we call those I-type granites. And the way we tell them apart is because of the overall chemistry of the different types of granites. But maybe now I'm getting a little more technical than you need. So you can imagine that this granite is formed deep within the Earth's crust. And then as the Earth's crust moves around through plate tectonics and we get mountain building and then we get erosion of all the rocks above it, eventually these granites get exposed at the surface. And when they get exposed, they start to weather just like all of the other rocks on Earth. But because of the massive nature of the granites, we have a tendency to get the granite weathering to form large round boulders that we refer to as tors. So in the landscape, we often recognise granites because of these large round boulders, sometimes appearing to be stacked on top of each other, that form from the granite that weathers. In some locations, the granites are harder than the surrounding rocks, so the granites form high parts of the topography as the other rocks erode around them. But in other locations, the granites are softer than their surrounding rocks, and they form lowland-like basins where the granite is eroded away and the surrounding rocks form the mountains around them. And if you're into collecting minerals, one of the great places to go and look is to see whether you can find the boundary between the granite and the surrounding rocks, because that's often where veins of minerals, as the granite cools, get squeezed out of the granite into the surrounding rocks where you can find things like quartz crystals, veins of sulfides, and even gold. So I hope that's given you a bit of an overview of the rock type granite, told you a little bit how it forms, what minerals it has, and why I find it one of the most fascinating of all of the igneous rocks. So that's it for this episode, but as usual, if you want to learn more about geology and things like this, please visit our website, geoetc.com. That's G-E-O-E-T-C.com, and you'll find more information for students, teachers, and rockhounds as we learn more about our Earth. But as always, keep on rocking.